Uh, Alessio Carducci, stand-up right. comedian. Um, how long have you been gigging, man? I forgot. I've been meaning to ask you that for ages. Um, I see you as a newbie. I guess. Um, what do we include COVID or not? Yeah. So that's a. It's an interesting yeah. one. A lot of comics are like, oh, I took a year off because I was lazy, and then I yeah. came back. So. Yeah. Really, I've only done five gigs, but 20 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the thing. You always got people that are, ah, whatever, pulling that shit. I don't know. Like, uh, it would have been like four, would have been four years before Corona. Okay. Yeah. And yep. then this is the add-on. What, it's been like six months since, I guess. For those who don't see, who haven't seen you perform, I like your style. You do similar to what I like to do. Like, a, you develop or start like a rant, and from a rant... But correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. uh, that's just the style I've seen you. You tend to go on rants, and from rants, you find threads or veins of material, and if they laugh, you mine them further. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So do you write off stage? I or write a you, lot. You write a lot? Yeah. Do you write on a keyboard, or do you write on a on a um, whiteboard, or do you write on a post-it note? I write in, uh, so iPhone notes, probably write a lot. Last month I've been lazy. Last two weeks I've been writing into the Apple Watch because I got the memo thing there. So I go there. So then if I'm in the car, I just go pull over. I'm like, okay, then this thing. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, so you you talk into it. Just a... go the hit notes and then go like, oh, there was this thing and then this thing and then this thing and then maybe put that into that thing. And then uh um, I think I write really well when I'm doing fuck all. Like as in if I'm doing something like if I gotta help my dad out and he's just like, oh, can you watch this machine for me? And I gotta sit there for three hours. And it'd just be some medial thing where so I just got to make sure the fucking machine's laying the plastic on the plastic properly. So it's like, I, all I can do is like, one, two. And then that's when I'll write the best stuff because then I'll have like little bits and pieces of paper around. Like, oh, do you write the whole bit or do you write like um, keywords? Like uh, say this, then say that, and then make sure you close with this. I think this is where the joke is. Yeah. Or do you write, what's the deal with cookies? And- nah, I go keywords because then keywords is then that. Yeah. That's how you make it present. Yeah, that's what I feel. Like. I feel like when you have people that do the whole, they got a block that they're gonna say. That's when you'll have people go like, they can't even tap out. Because when you just do have a block of things, like a block of shit, and I feel like that when I have got something I haven't worked out properly, I can't tap out of it, and then be like, ah, fuck it, let's abandon it. What's the best way to cut the thread here? Let's go on to this thing they want to hear. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I I write something similar. Do you have a whiteboard? Like I've got a whiteboard. Yeah, I've got two whiteboards, but I got them like the half the size of that. But then I got them on either side of the room. Because yeah. I like to, when I write, I like to pace. So I pace around the bed. And then I'll go, oh, okay, that thing. And I'll write keyword there, then keyword there. And then at the end of it, I have to sit down. So you pace around the room and you write, yeah. Pace around the room. and We're then some, fucking mad. Yeah, and then sometimes I'll grab a microphone and I'll be like, okay, if I'm going to do the set right now, then I'll practice the set out and I'll do that. And then I'll be like, no, but not in a way to find, to rehearse it. More in a way of like, where would I logically go if I was in the moment right now? So I'm just going around, going around, going in the middle. Ah, and that was nothing. Then start again. Do you find it hard to build up to that energy level that's required inside a large vacuous space like a bedroom where there's no energy in the room? Like, nah, because I'm not trying to hit the energy. I think I'm just trying to hit the words alone. Okay. I just want the words yep. alone. And then the performance, I'm never, I don't practice performance outside of the gig, to be honest. Okay. Do you? Uh, nah. I don't. I do. I do. I write similar to you. I was interested. I wanted to ask you because I, I think you remind me a lot of myself when I started out. Just and I just figured. I reckon he he has a similar writing style to me. Yeah, I can't sit down with a computer and no, write comfortably with peace and quiet. I need to be doing things. A lot of times I'll sit down or 
I'll try and write an idea and nothing will happen. And then when I start washing the dishes, I think of something funny. Mm. It's uh, writing always is good comedy that I write always comes from a byproduct of trying to write something else. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when I do the pacing, I'll be like thinking of one idea, but then there'll be like some offshoot that's like 10% related to it. But then I'll be like, oh, that's much deeper and richer than fucking this piece of shit i'll oh, fuck this thing off yeah then i'll keep that thing there i'll be like ah when i'm bored one day because oh, i feel like i can write as long as i've got the main like the main roots all there and then i bundle them all together and i leave them in one file and then i'll go back to it, I'll be like okay if i'm gonna force myself to write i've got this dumb thing whatever it is i don't know you know what i mean mm. i got the dumb thing like oh that'll be the like what joke have i got now like um i don't know like the one i got now where it's like uh i get uh i I asked bikies to kill me, so what the main thing would have been like, um... That's a good bit. The main thing would have been, um... Uh, how to make people think you're more important. Or how to, how to make people think you're cool when you die, or something like that. And okay. then it would have had something like, oh, something else, and I'm like, oh, how do I fuck around with that? And then die, and then bikies, and then drugs, and then, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Like that whole fucking jigsaw piece. You just gotta try and... Mm. Stitch it together somehow. Mm. Yeah, that's good, man. Uh, can we talk about last night's gig? I don't know. Yeah, you can talk about it. They're yeah. never going to find out. <laughs> so, all right, you start, because I, I found it fucking amazing. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Yeah. Secret location, key code to get in, in an industrial estate somewhere in Melbourne, uh, in a warehouse, mm. lots of illegal substances. That's not like a Which spot. we didn't do, because we, we were concentrating on performing. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I had a couple of drinks. <laughs> My mum watches. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you do that whole episode with Joel about how you want to get your mum high, but? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, I found it fascinating. I loved it. Yeah. Did nah, you? I've done that gig like four to five oh, times. Oh, right, yeah. I hate that fucking place. Why? I hate that place because they fucking, I don't know, I've had like two good I've had one great, I've had one good, and then I've had, like, then yesterday I would count as a fucking bad, and then fucking the one before that was just a flat bomb. Wait, hang on a second, because I saw last night's gig. How would you, move closer to the mic a bit, oh, yeah. what, how would you call last night's gig? Uh, for, for yourself. Every, for myself? Shit. Okay, interesting, because you're being, you're being a cunt to yourself, because I thought the first few minutes was a bit tough. But then you cracked them towards the end. You sh- you know that, surely, objectively speaking. I know objectively I cracked them, but the thing was, at the three-quarter mark, I had them on my side completely, and yeah. then the last thing, which is the main thing I've been working on, which I really think is a good bit, that fucking dropped the ball and killed it in a room where I knew I had, like, 50% wogs anyway. So that really should have killed harder. Mm. So that really, the fact that I got fuck all, I got, like, I reckon 20% of the laugh on that means I did fuck all shit, mm. you know? And then as well as that, I know that if I went, because I count, because what I do is I get the, I put the jokes on a, like a piece of paper before I do them. And then I leave them there and I put the time and date with them so then I can go to the voice recording. And then I put ticks or marks or something next to it. So I go, oh, I want this fucking... I know when I did it there, I got something different out of that bit. Because I'll always... You know, sometimes I'll do a bit and I'll fucking go on a different path and I'll be like, oh, I got that there. And that actually kind of makes sense. And so I'll take that back and whatever. And then, like, um, I've lost my train of thought. But yeah, but I'll, what I'll do is I'll just put that there. And I know that yesterday I went... Start was... 50% like a half then it went full uh, like a full tick full tick then bomb bomb and that was it do you do you scorecard 
dates and other things in your life as well like nah. this? No, just stand up. No, just stand up. Yeah. Because it works. Because then I go, okay, and then I can measure that bit. And then if I'm looking at this bit and I'm thinking, I like it, then I can look at the pad and I can be like, this thing's been dying. Fuck it. It's either time to rebuild it or throw it in the bin. It's, it's a great way of looking at it. I, I don't ascribe a mathematical description to mm. my material. I just sort of go by my feeling. But you remind me of Don Tran. Do you remember Don Tran? No. He's an open, open uh, sorry, one-liner comic. Fucking brilliant, man. Mm-hmm. Um really good but he would uh ascribe numbers to his each joke out of 10 mm-hmm. and then he'd go on and develop pie charts <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> if, not... <laughs> if a joke wasn't performing the pie chart would let him know nah, so he'd dump nah. a joke no 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 it's fucking brilliant <laughs> like it was madness but i loved it i'm not, I'm not that far into it no. oh look man whatever helps you you know work your shit out because i think the the the, the i think what the what we can distill out of this essentially on a fundamental level is you're, you must be aware of whether you're doing well or not because mm. there is something called the madness buzz that exists in stand-up where stand-ups go on stage, completely fucking die, and then come off and go, that was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, that was all right. Oh, dude, that's like half of them. Half right. of them what everywhere. What the fuck is wrong with no you? One you ever... died, you shithead. Yeah, but then the worst ones are the ones that can kill. Yeah. The ones that can kill, and then they get off after they do, like, just okay. And it's like, oh, how you feel after that? Oh, fuck, that was so good. I had such a good set. And it's like, you didn't have a good set. Yeah. You fucking died. Yeah. And they want to fucking feel like, nah, because that's the worst thing is that you know when you do well. You have to know. You yeah. have to be able to feel it. When you see them in the audience, like, it's like, for example, like yesterday. Even when you were doing well, you would have been able to at least find at least three heads in that crowd that were like, yo, I'm getting nothing out of you. Fuck off. One guy, this is last night's gig. Um, you know, I need to describe it. So yeah, I basically described most of it, but um, I went to the bar to buy a beer. To the left of the bar, there were pastries like baklava and all that. And then to the left of that was a plate with l- racks of lines on it. <laughs> it's, it's fucking out there. And not only that, I had a pretty okay gig. And then in the front row, there was a guy falling asleep. And I was zoning in on him because you have a yeah. tendency as a stand-up to look at whoever's not liking yeah. you. So I was looking at him and he's fucking sleeping. And then afterwards I found out he was in a K-hole. So <laughs> I've never had anyone at a gig in a K-hole. So I'm proud of that moment that I was, yeah, someone was in a K-hole. Yeah. Fucking hell. That's not like, because we've done, because Oscar also put on a gig in a squat. I've never done that one. Yeah. Where's does. that? Oh, sorry. No, don't say where it is in case of. Near the other one. All right. Yeah. It's all near the same, all they're all in the same area. Okay. And fucking, it, yeah, it's good, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like when it goes good, you come off going like, fuck, and I, I can perform anywhere. I'm so good. And then when you get off and it's bad, you're just going like, fuck these dogs, fuck them. This is stupid. Not meant to do comedy in here. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't, I t- I'm very cautious of those gigs uh, mm. because, because they're stoned. Mm-hmm. They have a tendency to laugh and be more forgiving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It was kind of like that. Did you ever do Gorilla? Yeah, I've done it a few times. Yeah, and Gorilla's room. Yeah, but back in the day, I remember it used to be just like you'd go there and it'd be like an open mic with like six to eight stoners in bean bags, and they'll be huff- huffing on shisha and shit like that. Yeah, and then they'll be downstairs, and you'd just be trying to crack them. But the whole time you're trying to crack them, but they're in like the state of <laughs> yeah, and you like it, to really get them to fucking crack was that like that was the because I remember that thing was like everybody had their moment was like after X amount of months it was like oh I'm allowed to, I'm able to fucking actually play this room now. And then yesterday I'm watching this one, I'm like, ah, I'll figure it out, but this one's a pain in the ass. Mm. I mean, like, the, just the, 
The energy in the room is strange. But sometimes, in some, it's also because all the drug use, you've got people on different levels. So you've got some people who are fucking sedated, and you've got people over there who are ready to give you something or nothing. So then sometimes if you accidentally chase them giving you something or nothing, all of a sudden you're right in the energy level here when this guy's over here, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and as, a, as a stand-up comedian, you're sensing all of that as you're on stage. And I think it's a fantastic experience. It, it only makes you a better stand-up. Mm. You do all the, do every room on every floor you can perform in and you'll mm. notice patterns. And the pattern I've noticed with stoners is it's hard to crack them and really make them belt laugh out loud, but it's very easy to get to get them to follow you on any mm. particular journey you take them mm. to. Um, and they're very forgiving. And it's hard to completely die at mm. a gig like that. Because even if you're bombing, they sort of, because they're stoned, they're like really going, yeah, man, where, where do you want to go next? Mm-hmm. Let's go for it. What ideas do you have? But I also feel like sometimes when you're doing the stoner crowds, once you crack them, it's easy to keep them cracked. Because mm. once they're going, once you get like them, well, uh, you get like a, they're jerking their spine, then all of a sudden it's easy to really keep them there because then you're just poking it, poking it, poking it. Because they've yeah. already taken them that place. And then, but as soon as they drop back off, it's like it's as if they never laughed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you've got to drag them up. From- if you if you were to paint your hardest audience, right? Who would you put in? Let's pretend you've got an empty, an empty theater, and you have to fill it with the hardest audience imaginable. Who would they be? For me personally, someone maybe over sixty, but at the same time conservative, or rather, let me just say, really conservative crowds. I would go with religious people. Maybe I'd, I'd struggle with them. I would go with um. Yeah, I guess yeah, older people, but older people from inner city suburbs. Yeah, yeah, because even when it's like out of suburban older people, it's like ah fuck it. You just bring up any, you bring up just general fucking reasons why this area sucks. They'll crack. They love it. Yeah, I love that about. Uh, audiences where they where you can take the piss out of their town mm. and they're fucking loving it. Like if you ever do like you ever done like gigs in pokies and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and you rock up and go like, "What the fuck is this? This is fucking pathetic." And then they'll just go, <laughs> "They love ah, it. We <laughs> know. We know." <laughs> yeah. And uh, even then, sometimes the easy one is always like, "It took me fuck." Like if I remember when I was catching a train everywhere, I went to a fucking. Brett Hunter's gig in Werribee. Oh, I rock up. Fuck. Everyone was dying the heck on everybody. I get up by. I fucking traveled three hours for this fucking shit from Brunswick. I fucking should have killed myself there. And then they go. <laughs> if you if you want to do it, if you want to see stand up comedians suffering nervous breakdowns, go to Wheelers in Werribee. Oh. <laughs> because that's where that's where you just comics go. Fuck. Why am I doing this? Yeah. He broke down. Mimi Shaheen had a breakdown there. Nah, that was I was that was. Were you at, there when she? Nah, was, that wasn't at Wheelers. I oh. didn't do that at Wheelers. This was at the one that was beyond Hoppers. Oh, okay. He had one beyond Hoppers, whereas it literally it was he was the right of a gaming room, and then he would just it was just full of fucking cunts. Who, like there was we did this gig. Man, Brett Hunter. If you don't know who Brett Hunter is, <laughs> move now that Gadinsky is dead. Brett's taking the <laughs> Brett's taking the baton. He runs the best gigs, Brett. <laughs> he fucking. So we were in this gig. I remember I rock up. We love you, Brady. I remember I rock up to this gig. He's got Brad Oaks on. Brad Oaks is like, keeps looking to him like, Fuck, Brad's going to kill him. Yeah, he's like, can't wait am I getting off. He's like, nah, you got another 15 minutes. He's just put him <laughs> on the clock. He's just like, oh, we're performing to this fucking crowd where it's like, the only people that are listening, they're all one family. Like, you've got this one dude who's 40, but he's the grandfather. 
to fucking, he's got his 16-year-old daughter, and then he's got, like, the two-year-old grandson, wow. and they're all running around, they're grabbing on stage, they're pulling at his leg, and the whole time, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? It was the worst fucking thing. Oh, <laughs> fucking brilliant. And then it, but then you go again and be like, it was all right. And then as soon as I get one of those gigs where you go, that was a hell gig, but it was all right, I, I can't ever come back, because then I, I'm going to jinx it. I'm going to come back to me shit, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um... Uh, often I always ask comics, where do you want to go at the, at the end of all this? Like, what, what do you want out of it? Uh, me personally, I'd like to have, like I've said it on the podcast before, probably four or five hours of material mm-hmm. and that's it. And that's probably recorded and laid down in an mm-hmm. ice cream and profession and keep doing what I do. Just get mm-hmm. paid for gigs. Mm-hmm. And what about yourself? Have you like, like, are you, um, I reckon at the moment, because it always changes, doesn't it? You start off at one thing. Like, it starts off your shit. You just want to be competent. Then yeah. as soon as you're competent, then you're like, this is shit. I want to be good. Then as soon as your average is good, then you're like, this is fucking shit. i got to be amazing all the time. How does that happen for you? For me, that happens by hating my material. I start to detest certain jokes that I used to love a year prior. Mm. You asked me last night, you're like, have you done your set, you know, like your old set? No, mm. I'll go, fuck, I don't care. I really try and avoid it, man, mm-hmm. because I'm just not attracted to it. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm growing as a coach. Is that what you're saying? I like, I keep going. What I used to do, I don't know what I'm doing at the minute. I really don't know what I'm doing because I, like, before what I, I feel like I'm still not as good as I was at, like, fucking February 2020. I still feel like that was my peak and Are I'm chasing still, that. Really? Because I took that, I took too much time off. I didn't. But take we all any... we all did, and I felt like it took me a month to dust it off nah. and get back. Nah, because I feel like that between um, December and February, I was on such a leap. I was like, everything I'm doing, I'm just I'm Midas touch. I'm fucking this bang gold, bang mm. gold, bang gold, and I was on this mode. I was riding like fucking three hours a day. I was in fucking everything was keened pr- up, prime, prime, prime. I was just clocking it all off, and then with that fucking massive break, I kept it up for another two months. But then it just all dissipated, all fell away. And then the past month and a half, like I bought a new notebook. I bought everything new. I went like, I'm starting fresh. I was only going to, I took like five minutes and I'm like, I'm taking five minutes of stuff that I actually have. And that's the only thing I'll have. And I want to try and get good. Because I read some Agassi book where the fuck, when the cunt, um, he wins his first two grand slams. And then after he wins the first two grand slams, then he does math. He does a bunch of shit. Then he ends up being rank 128. He keeps losing everything. So then he decides, I'm going to fucking go and play the... Yeah, but he was banging Brooke Shields, right? Yeah. In the prime Brooke yeah, Shields, but then he, but then he, fu- he's And fuck- he was going bald. He was one of the bald guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But fucking he, sick cunt. Yeah, Represent. He, yeah, oh, fuck it. All right. You can claim whatever you want. But fucking all I'm saying <laughs> is that then he ends up going, he admits that he's shit. And then he ends up and goes and plays with amateurs. And then when he goes and plays with amateurs, he's still losing. So then all I want at the minute, I want the worst fucking gigs. I want to go to the worst gigs. I want to get good there again. Because I just fucking haven't been able to catch any momentum. And when I do a gig that's anything resembling good, I fucking get in my own head because I'm thinking like, nah, I want to fucking floor this. I want to kill it. Okay, so hang on. Hang on. You're disciplined because I'm trying to make this uh, relatable to people who don't watch stand-up but who aren't interested in the industry. But the philosophy is you're trying to put yourself under the hardest conditions so you can get good. I want to take quicker. away so you everything. Want to go the hard rooms. I want to take no. I want to take away everything I've earned, which is the thing of you earn. I feel is like after a certain amount of time, you get to do good gigs. Yeah. You get to do better gigs, but I feel like I'm not even making the most of those better gigs at the minute because the material I'm taking now, I'm like really, I don't even know if this is going to work with five people. I'm trying to, but then if it works with like, if I get ten out of twenty, like liking it, what the fuck is ten out of twenty? That's shit. 
I should be getting like 18 out of 20 because if I can fucking go to an open mic where there's only five people but I can get five of them to like it, then I'm like, fuck it. Then I know that I'm bleeding it out there and it'll be able to take it to another room and be able to get more out of it there, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm wasting the amount, like the good crowd. Okay. But there's no shit gigs at the minute. There's no absolute, like there's shit gigs but there's no fucking like constant dives like it used to be. I used to be able to do Monday, do three gigs with like fucking four people all combined. Then Tuesday... Do, like, two gigs that were dog shit. Wednesday was a good day. Then fucking Thursday was a shit day, but, like, fucking there'll be, like, 20 people, but they want to kill you. Then Friday, I'll be able to do, like, two gigs around 10 people each. So Friday was a day where I'd take, like, those four days. That material be worked up, so Friday would fucking have a good crack at it. Then uh, Saturday, a day off, because I couldn't gig, but if I could gig, I would have done it. And then Sunday, Sunday had um two decent gigs. That was shit, but they were, like, just open mics that I could do that were good. So then I could go there and really work it. But then I'd tee up, like, monthly gigs and stuff like that. And then I had that gig I ran with Dan. And then I'd, at the end of the month, I'd always take material there. And I feel like after four weeks of that, I'd have a new fucking seven to eight that was good and it could work. And then, bang, I'd enjoy that. Then i go, all right, put that to the side. And now I'm going to start afresh and new. And then that's why that's what I like doing. I like starting again, over and over again, again, again. Hmm. Were you ever uh, disciplined like this with anything else in your life other than stand-up? Or is stand-up the first thing that came along that... Stand-up is the only thing I'm not burned down in. Everything else I burn out. Yeah, same same here. I started when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And before that, I didn't give a fuck about much of anything, mm. really. But then once I started doing stand-up, I became very, very disciplined mm. and very focused. And I had all the... You said, like, all the things you do, like, I would write a... I'd keep a diary after every gig. Mm-hmm how it went and where, mm. and where I think I was heading. And yeah, I enjoyed playing hard rooms. Mm. I remember reading an Etten Senna book and mm-hmm. Etten Senna would say that he would take his go-kart out on the racetrack when it rained, mm-hmm. when everyone else was packing up. Cause he figured if he can learn to handle it in the wet, mm. he would master it in the dry. So I sort of took that and went, yeah, I'll, I should go to all the shit rooms mm. and where it's unplayable where, mm. cause you're playing at the back of a pokies venue and no one mm. gives a fuck. But yeah, when no one's listening and no one's giving a fuck, you can work on your crowd work. Mm. My crowd work is starting to just roast people as they walk by mm. and get laughs out of that. So you build up a muscle that way. Mm. And that's what you do. Yeah, I like it that way. It's good. And then crowd work, you know, that, that's gone to shit. I feel like that's a muscle that atrophied completely for me because I never did segues. Mm. All I would do is like, what's the next joke I'm doing? Yeah, right, sure. And then I'll fucking weasel that into crowd work. Like, mm. what do you think, mate? And boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, we're talking about the thing I want to talk about. We lean into that. If that segues into the next drug I got, beautiful. If it doesn't, bang, let's go at this one. Mm. Mm. Something, uh, if I can change gears, man, something mm-hmm. we laughed about the other night, which not many people know is, uh, I'll say the word chop chop. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, chop chop, I work at a pokies venue part time. Mm-hmm. And everyone that comes in has a bag Uh, a Ziploc bag full of cigarettes and I keep seeing them and I Mm -hmm. kept saying, where the fuck are you getting like these Ziploc bags, clear Ziploc bags with cigarettes? And they go just across the road at the newsagent. Mm. He sells them illegally under the counter. Mm -hmm. It's called Chop Chop. It's black market tobacco. It's like seven, seven, uh, no, 20 bucks for 17 cigarettes or some shit like that. They'll have that. Then they got the fucking what's it called? They got the Korean darts. They got the so they fuck, what are Korean darts? They got the Korean darts. So they, if you see these little, there's these little thin ones. Where they got this like little fucking blue, blue and white logo that they put on the top of the of the filter. But they're really thin. Right. But they're all menthol pop ones. 
Yep. And then they're the they're like fucking eighteen bucks a pack. And then you got Are they imported cigarettes? They're imports, yeah. Really? But then they got the fucking they got the Thai and Malaysian and uh whatever, Singaporean like Marlboros and stuff like that. And then cunts are always smoking those that they're buying from the same place for still twenty bucks did, a pack. How did you come about that? Where, where did you realize? Oh, because I went. I had a shop on Sydney Road. Oh, on Sydney Road. Yeah, I had a shop there. I ran with my mate because when we were doing screen printing, we originally moved there to do it. Yeah. And then was looking for darts. Then you go into all the tobacconists and stuff, and then you realize, oh, everyone's got them. Okay. Got you. Yeah. Every single cunt has them. But then they all. Tr- but then they'll all sell you on the imports. But then they'll go like, but brother, I got fucking the best stuff out the back though. Like, what's that? Yeah. 14 bucks gives you a pouch. And I'm like, okay, how much about 14 bucks? Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, all right, yeah, here we go. And then he gives you like a fucking bag of tobacco that he ends up giving you instructions on how to take care of it too. Like, all right, so maybe you should dry it out a bit. It's a bit wet. Maybe chop it up a bit thinner too. Like, you get it. You're getting fucking like, you know, still doing half an hour's work on the fucking bag anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's, there's crops of tobacco yeah. out there yeah. in like um, country Victoria. Yeah, they always grow it. They got marijuana crops. Yeah, they cultivate it. Yeah, they cousin or something. They do that. But then the thing is that tobacco is hard. Money. Yeah, but tobacco is hard to make. That's the thing they always understand. That's what my mother said, and I didn't ask her why. Do you know why? Because she said it's very, very fucking difficult. Yeah, because it's like you're not just cropping it. Like I know fuckwits that grow their own chuff, and it's just like, bro, you you take it off, you take the bud, then you leave it there, and that's fucking pretty much it, isn't it? I don't know. Marijuana in itself is a difficult... I remember playing Mortal Kombat in my mate's house and out the back he's growing plants yeah. back in the 90s. And he said it's quite difficult because you've got to get the male... you got to separate the male and female yeah, plants. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. anything about nah, that. Nah. I think like... Do you th- know anything about I've that? I've got like a basic... I don't know anything more than just I've seen them do it. What do you smoke? Do you smoke the male or the female? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that All they right. fucking set it up and then he has to... Growing it is... Growing it is less constant maintenance, but it's the same thing with the tobacco plants. However, the harvesting is completely different with tobacco, I'm pretty sure. Probably. probably. I, I, not, you know I, what? I wouldn't have a fucking clue. Yeah, I just, all I know is that that's what they spend the money on the machinery for. So the money on the machinery is all used for the post-production of the fucking of of tobacco. tobacco. Yeah. Right. Cutting it all up. I don't know what the, beyond that. But then I just don't know because I'd, like, I'd work in factories like, growing up. And then like I remember once I was like uh, like across the road, always be like I was working in Camberfield and stuff like that. And then you'd see like across the road, um, like they'd put a lot, the cops would all be there and like, what the fuck is it all for? And you think like, oh wow, is it like, as a kid and you'd look at like, oh fuck, like what, what's going on there? And then you realize like, oh, they're just growing their own tobacco, but that's when they clamp them hard. Mm. Cause that's what they're going like. The government's like, fuck, we're losing too much money on this. Right. It's heaps of money. It's uh the tobacco, the black market tobacco industry is fucking huge. Mm. Like they, yeah, they're selling, like you can go to a tobacconist and buy a bag, like a plastic bag full of tobacco. For something like, yeah, 14, 15 bucks. 14, 15 bucks when they want to sting you for 50 for what it costs now. But having said that, it's it's unprocessed, unrefined. And from what I've heard, I don't smoke anymore, but it's harsh. Oh, it's harsh. Yeah, it's like... But you smoke, don't you? No, recently I lost again. So I'm back. I'm back back in the the fight. How does it compare? Um, Uh, A tailor-made cigarette uh, versus Chop Chop. Which Chop, is the street name for... Chop Chop is like fucking... You're smoking four reds. Four Winnie Reds? It's like it's, it's like fucking intense. If you smoke it and you're like, it's just fucking you. 
as wow. soon as as soon as you smoke it, you're like, this is fucking you. But then the same I time, rem- you're like, if, if this is all I can afford to smoke, I'm not going to... You'll have it, yeah, because you're getting the nicotine. I remember yeah. stealing Winfield Reds off my uncle and going yeah. into the laneway and smoking it, and we would have the biggest fucking head rushes yeah. Yeah. because it was 16 milligrams yeah. per cigarette. Yeah. Winnie Blues was 12, and then Winnie Gold is 8, and yeah. then everything else now sits at around 8 to 12. Yeah. And occasionally you find a 16. Mm. You get that in Asian cigarettes as well. Mm. The big heavy ones. So it's very, it's harsh. Like it's not, it's, hard. it's, it's not heavy. pleasurable. And it's harsh because it doesn't hit the back of your throat nicely. So you hit it and you're like, it's like someone's fucking burning it itself. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> fucked. It's the worst. But then the thing is, I got this one mate. And then like, because the, the tobacconist sells it to him as like, brother, it's natural though. And then he goes, and then he comes. So he's got a whole advertising spiel. Like yeah, he's yeah, pushing yeah, yeah. that whole oh, yeah. fresh from the earth. It- no they're make, chemicals. Making more money on that. And they're not going to run out of that. Yes. Yeah, that's what they want to push. They don't yeah, want to push the fucking import. I don't know where the hell... He's got a mortgage to that motherfucker, man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But then that's the thing. Everyone's just selling it. And the thing is, like, no one's ever getting clamped down on it. That's the best part. It's like it's like this weird thing where it's like, I'd see it growing up. And you see it all the time when they're like, oh, tobacco, they always clamp down on it. But then then now it's like, you go to Sydney Road. If I walk down Sydney Road, I reckon I could find it from, like, five different venues. Easy. Yeah. I think the point is cops don't give a fuck. Yeah. Cops don't give a fuck about a lot of things mm. because, like I said here before, where I work at the Pokies, they hate the junkies mm. and they won't come to the Pokies mm. unless someone is physically stealing or attacking mm. someone. They're very cautious because we had we, we, we always call, it, call the cops because there's someone like walks into the pokies without his pants on or oh, yeah, ice yeah, yeah, addicts yeah, that are yeah, cooked yeah. throwing chairs at the machine because mm-hmm. it didn't pay out um <laughs> yeah one guy sh- started taking his clothes off because he goes you took everything from me <laughs> so you may as well have my clothes so he starts stripping yeah. bends over shows us his asshole on camera <laughs> and i'm laughing recording it all um another guy looked like Mortal Kombat finish him as the opiates kicked in yeah. on the machine. He's waving <laughs> back and forth. He couldn't sit upright. We call the cops and cops don't come anymore. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's catch and release. Yeah. And I think that's the same with Chop Chop. Yeah. It's like, what am I going to do? Hit some poor cunt on Centrelink yeah. for selling tobacco illegally or yeah, 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 big yeah. deal. Yeah. They're frustrated, the cops. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. Um, it was so funny because like, there was this one dude on Sydney Road who had him. Um, he was selling that. Then he was he was selling, like, he made it very vague that he was selling everything. I'm like, okay, well, I'm sure that if I go in and then no one's there, he's just a regular drug dealer. Mm. You know what I mean? That was the fucking energy he kept giving out to me. Like, he keeps trying to, he was trying to flog me CBD drops. And I'm like, ah, oh, what do you, like. Is this on Sydney Road? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But he's trying to flog me CBD drops. And then he's telling me, and then fucking, what's it called? Um, That, uh, it's like, CBD drops, easy, brother. I fucking, if the cops come in, I just squirt all on the ground. I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, you got the biggest brain. And then someone else asked me, some guy, some like fucking, like local guy that always would come in and come into our shop, ends up coming in. He's just this fucking crazy cunt. And he comes in, he's like, I need, oh no, that was it. Some, he came into my shop and he told me, I got weed from him. I'm like, oh, okay. Then some other guy comes in that I know, some comic, and he comes in and he's like, you know where I could get some weed? And I'm like, oh yeah, go down to, go to that guy. He goes in, apparently he cops a lecture about how this isn't a drug fucking drug front. Go fuck yourself. He comes into me and goes like, I can't believe, why would they why would they say that to me? And then the guy who originally told me that they had chuff, he ends up going in there and he's a gun pulled on him in the fucking menu. You're joking. 
And then he comes running into my job and goes, you fucking dog. <laughs> Jesus. Because I told, I said, I said to the, uh, the comic, Holy I said, shit. say the guy's name. I said, the, uh, the crazy guy, like they gave him the crazy guy's name. I go in there, just say like, he, this guy sent me. And then fucking, he came, then like half a day later, he comes into my job. He's like, you don't know anything about street cred. You don't know anything about this shit. I'm like, don't tell me you got weed off him. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Where did this happen on City Road? Yeah. Is this recent? Nah, this was probably like a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because, um, yeah, COVID, yeah, because I always, that, mm. fuck my time right. Do you still have the screen printing shop? Yeah, but now I just rent a quarter of a factory. Uh, are you that busy? I just leave it there. No, I'm not that busy. Like, what are you, Izzy kept asking me for, like, Izzy keeps asking me, like, how much you make and whatever. I'm like, I don't know. Like, why is Izzy fuck? why is he auditing you? No, he's just, because he, cause <laughs> I'm, ta- everyone's like got this mystery of like, what's Celestia doing? And then I remember Izzy telling me one day, Izzy and Drew were asking me. I'm like, I don't know. It's probably like, a, averages out probably like 500 to a grand. I don't know, a week. And then, and then they're like, that's not that much. I'm like, I oh, know, that's the point. Because hmm. I work like once, I work one week for the month and then I'm done. Oh, is that your job? That's yeah. it. Oh, that's I'll make, good. I'll make, I'm making, what do you call it? Um, uh, what do you call it? Bare minimum salary off that. And then I'm spending all my time doing this. I mean, that's all I want. You got a girlfriend? I got no time. I was seeing some chick, but I really, I don't want to see anyone more than though I had to see him now. I spend my time doing work because I, because you know, pain in the ass is. So you're off- focused. You're just easy. Just stand up. Just want stand up. That's the only thing I want to happen. That's the thing. I keep looking <laughs> at it. You ask me what I want. I never answered that question. Really, at the end, I just want to get in. I just want to be a good comic that can use fucking like proper venues regularly, sure, clubs and stuff. I want to be there so I can work and get better again. I don't know what I want to do with it in the end. I don't really care what I do with it in the end. But at the minute, I just want to be able to do it, and I want to figure out what I'm doing because I've been asking everyone that. Like, what are you doing? You're one of the only constructs looking on stage. I'm like, I think you figured it out because you fucking did some giant breakthrough from what you what you're doing before. It's like you compare the two acts, you wouldn't think it's the same guy. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. I don't know. We'll see if it's real or not, but I mm. hope it's real. But yeah, it, mm. take, it took me. I've been going 18 years. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm 18. No, in July, I'll be 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the fuck I was doing for the first 10. And the last, the first 15 years, I was a bit clueless. But then on the 16th or 17th year mark, I got a bit angry. And the anger helped me push through mm-hmm. and find what I want to talk about. I think... I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you use anger. You use anger, but I Anger's think... Anger's a good tool. Yeah. It's a... Yeah, it's, it's... But also sometimes, like, when you get good at displaying one emotion, then you're like, ah, oh, it's easy, I can just do that. Yeah, Bill Burr. Yeah, you just end up going, then you don't want to be just the guy who goes, ah, oh, I got one mode. Then it's like, ah, oh, I don't need one... I need... You need... Like, because I've been watching Axe during the festival. I've been watching Axe because I want to see what I like about it, I want to see what I don't like. Yeah, tell me, who have you seen? Who have you liked? I'm not going to say names but like there's like for example so one dude and i saw how he like planted himself on stage his footwork and i was like i was looking at him like that's the way he uses his feet is telling me that he's not confident and i'm like i do that sometimes and i was going like for real yeah like fucking for example like wait when you see comics that do this yeah this is like the just rocking back and forth the rocking the rocking is shit the rocking is fucked when you see someone doing well even if they're rocking, it's slow. Like you saw, um, like for example, Rohan Ganju. Did you watch him yesterday? Yes. When you see him, I was said to Izzy when he was on. I'm like, this is calm. This is um, this is calm, awkward. Like he's so displaying that he's awkward. He's displaying like he's he's trying to emit the um the uncomfortable emotion 
at the same time, completely calm, completely in control. And you can also boil it down to the way he's fucking standing there. Did I mishear you? Because sometimes you want to portray awkwardness on purpose to show your fragility, which yeah, opens yeah, yeah. the door to your vulnerability and oh, yeah. to become likable. Because yeah. an audience will like you if they can see you're vulnerable. Yeah, 100%. So maybe you could fool people into, into selling some awkwardness. Mm. It helps. Nah, but the thing is that it's, there's, I think there's a difference between being uncomfortable and making them, like, letting them know, like, as in, there's a difference between displaying a feeling of um, awkwardness and being out of control, like, not in control of the audience, you know what sure, I mean, at the same time? Sure, like, yeah. you can do that, you can be like, like, Luke McGregor's really good at it. The guy, this whole act is, I'm a bumbling mess, and like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. but then the whole time, like, oh, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Mm. He's not, he's not out of control. He's completely in control. Everything about him is just like, he's, he's, a stat, he's not a statue, but he's like, he's, he's solid. His feet, is, his feet are planted. There's no, there's certainty in what he's doing. Mm. And I see one act, they see him just the way he's moving his feet. I'm like, oh, fuck it. That's shit. I do that all the time. It's fucking garbage. Hmm. And then, like, I saw... Um, it's interesting. Sometimes I've watched stand-up comedians on mute mm-hmm. to see that if I could read their non-verbal mm-hmm. language. I do enjoy that, seeing what's in between the lines, the hidden. Mm. seeing if I can guess their emotional state of mind at the time they're delivering a bit. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, man, I'll cut you off. No, man. no, 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 no. I'm just just rambling. It's just seeing different things and like, I like how that guy does that. I like how that guy does that. I watched you recently because I've seen you a few times. Mm. I like how you kind of kind of feels like what you're doing is you'll go giant, giant premise at the top and then what we'll do is we'll hook the jokes off that original giant premise. Mm. And then from there, we keep lying back to the same thing. It's almost similar to the Chris Rock thing in that Talking Funny thing on HBO where he goes, like, all I do is I just repeat the premise so they don't forget the premise and then I can hit him with the joke again. But Got, yeah. almost mm. what you're doing is you're going big bricker premise at the top and that's the rock and we're applying the hook to that and we rap all down and you're going back up, going again and you're pulling down again. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's just another way of doing it. I hope I hope. You know when you dissect a frog and mm-hmm. they, they say... Well, no, nah, you said that as well the other day because I've been too far don't in this mess. Don't, don't over-dissect the frog. <laughs> yeah. And I'd look like, yeah, fair you enough. fuck it up. What's that? What's the parable? If it's called a parable, I'm not sure, but a mm-hmm. scorpion went up to a caterpillar and said, bro, how the fuck do you know what each foot is doing? And went, <laughs> I don't know. And then the cunt fell over. <laughs> so don't think, don't overthink yeah. it. It just works. Who was that? I think it was, was it Joel Pierce, I think, or Matt Nenke? One of the boys who enjoys rap said stand-up is great when you get into this state of mind on stage where you start riffing and you're not, you don't know what you're saying next, Mm. but you've got complete confidence that you're Mm. in this state of mind where your editing department is taking a back seat and just Mm. letting stream of consciousness come through Mm -hmm. in the zone. And you're saying it's great stuff and you're glad that you're recording it because you can listen back to it mm-hmm. afterwards. They're my favorite moments on stage where I start off with a bit, then I start riffing and I find a vein. People start laughing. I've never said it before, but it's working and I go with mm-hmm. it and I see how long I could ride the wave for. But there's also, they're also sometimes like a blessing and a curse because you get that vein and you can chase that vein. It'll be like, oh, this is fantastic. A new way to act, like approach this joke. Or sometimes you'll be like, no. The context and the moment was what dictated that being there. And then you spend like two weeks trying to chase something. And then you're like, that was garbage. What was I doing? Yeah. Well, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Mm. It's just, yeah, you're never going to, 
every time I go on stage, I always say to myself, uh, have fun. And none of this really matters, man. Because mm. it doesn't. Like, I, no. I really believe it. I, think, I've, I don't know if I've told you. I said it on stage. I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a nihilist. I really, mm-hmm. you know, we're all going to die. Everything is going to die. We're not going to be here. Mm-hmm. The universe is going to die. It's all going to shit. Mm. So you may as well just have, yeah. enjoy the beautiful moment. That's mm. why, like, before I go on, I just try and go, oh, fuck it, just jump. Just jump. Mm. See what happens. You could die on your ass, but big fucking deal. Everyone's going to talk about it for five minutes, and then that's it. No one cares after no that. No one gives a fuck. And, and if you make it, no one gives a fuck either. Yep. In no, in no matter what endeavor you choose in your life. No one cares. No one cares if you do well. That's the one that shows it the most. Everyone thinks people care when you do shit, but no one cared when you did well. In anything you do. Yeah. Anything in life, no one really cares except you, whatever stock you give it. Mm. But, mm. So that's all you do. You work at the printing place. I do my printing because it's my printing thing. And then I, most of the time, I'm just spending emailing people. And then they're like, okay, so I've got three days of work. I'm going to make a bank off that. Cool. And then I'm also lazy because then I get more work and I just end up handballing it to someone else. What does laziness mean for you? What's your t- type of lazy? Oh, uh, as in like, I'll get more work and it'll be another 500 bucks of work, but then I'll just handball it to some other screen printer because I know, ah, he'll help me out later when i got no work. So okay. boom, I give him something. Is that laziness though? Or is that um, offloading work so you could focus on your stand-up? Or yeah. are you doing that so you could stay at home and do nothing? Offloading it so I can work on my stand-up, but also... Yeah. The, well, the it's not laziness then. It's kind of like beating yourself down with an inappropriate word. Yeah, but at the same time... Like, I'm offloading work so I could focus on my craft. Yeah, but at the, yeah, but I know. But at the same time, look... Just I'm be like, careful of the words you say because you sort of like... It's it's this intrinsic subconscious value of like lazy. You know, nah. it's, it's a harsh word. Nah, I need that. Need that. Because I've accepted the fact that I'm never, I'm never going to fucking be happy with who I am. I know I'm never going to fucking achieve like a fucking... But I'm no, never going to be happy with the stand-up as well. No, let me, I'll let me, never fucking achieve that. Let me just say something, right? Why can't you? Why can't you be in a superposition of states? Why can't you be both at the same time? Particles. What do you mean? Why can't you be completely content and peaceful mm-hmm. with who you are in this journey? And at the same time, why can't you be not happy with who you are at the same time? Just be happy when you get on stage to be completely happy with who you are and mm-hmm. then off stage be completely upset with how your set went. I think like, it, but that kind of boils into like, because I remember someone said to me once, I heard it and I thought it was really smart when someone like, making it is just meaning that you're happy doing stand up at the minute and that you're able to do it. So at the minute I'm making it. Yeah. Because I'm able to do it. Here. So yeah. I'm able to do it. I'm I had happy this discussion the other day. Mm-hmm. Go on, yeah. Oh yeah. no, I'm just saying, like, as long as you, but then eventually you'll be frustrated again, and then like now you're not making it because now you know that you're fucking what you've been doing. It's not good enough. You gotta fucking push it. You gotta go to that next thing. But that, that's you talking about material mm. now, because that's what makes your material go better. Yeah, but, everything. I'm yeah. talking about everything. Depends yeah. on what you're doing. Even some people, it's like we were talking before, and then I was we were discussing like how the the YouTube comics are the biggest comics in Australia. Yes. And then it's like, well, you're doing it right now. I mean, you say what you want, but you are building on this thing to take your craft to another level again. Well, because I realized how social media is fucking important. Yeah. <laughs> now, after all this time yeah. living under a rock, yeah. I realized, all right, I've got to have a social presence. Because yeah. I've seen, I'm not going to mention names, but I've been to comedy gigs and I've seen comedians who are very popular online who can't 
fucking sell a joke on stage. Yeah. They're shit. But they got their fans there and then their fans go, oh, it's fucking amazing. They love it. And I'm looking at it going, this is shit stand-up. Yeah. You can't write a joke. Mm. But it's like even this thing, you apply the same concept to this. You're doing it now and you'll be happy with it for a period of time. You'll be like, I'm doing this. I'm very happy with the craft of how I'm making it. Like you've got a very nice setup. It's amazing. You're like, I've been listening to some of them. They're great. But then eventually you're going to start thinking like, nah, I need to make it better. I need to do something else to it. Just, just that's naturally going to happen. You're describing evolution. Yeah, but you're naturally going to evolve with everything you're doing. Everything. As, long, as long as you're putting the effort in, you that's go like... a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is good. I'm just saying that it just happens with everything, but it, every, but it also comes with like a, a balance of like, ah, fuck this shit. All right, I need to go here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're describing, yeah, that, that is a good thing. That yeah. is where you want to be. Yeah. I like the negative. I like it when I go, when I'm saying like uh, on Monday, I'm com- I'm outside Brunny and then I'm talking to Izzy and Izzy's fucking going through his loop of like, what the fuck happened and whatever. And then he's like, I bombed. I want to make sure everyone knows I bombed, whatever. I'm like, whatever, you bomb. Who cares the fuck? It's funny. No one cares. Izzy. No, one, no one cares. Fucking, you're, like, he, want, he was saying this thing Norm MacDonald said where it's like, fucking, he wants to look everyone in the eye as as they as he's bombed. So he can be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, as he's bombed. That's some stupid thing. Yes. And, I was, and he was talking about that. And I'm just saying, like, who cares? You hate yourself. This is the win. This is where you get it. This is where you get to look at it and be like, oh, fuck that. And this, because I like it when I, I leave a gig and I've done shit, like yesterday. Did shit, bomb, I didn't enjoy it. And then I went home and I was able to get an hour and a half of just, like, the most work I could ever put in at that moment into stand-up. If I was happy with it, I wouldn't even look at it. When I'm doing well, I'm not looking at it like that. Yeah, There's nothing. You, I'm not really going to get much out of it. You'd celebrate. Yeah, exactly right. The, the analogy I give to people is that when you bomb, it's like crashing a car. You drive back to the pits, you look under the bonnet, mm. and you try and fix it. So mm. when you get back on the track, you're a bit better. Your word economy is better. You're looking at your set. You're going, can I tweak a word, remove words, add words, mm. change the setup? Is the premise correct? Is it apt? Does it fit? Am I missing the mark? Is it misogynistic? Is it What's missing? Because a, a bad set will teach you what was shit, but a good set, you, you don't know. Good set, they might have just liked you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. But I enjoy that place right mm. on the fringes of seeing my material evolve. And mm. hating my material. Mm. I always hate. Maybe this is a strong word, but I'm always hating what I do. But I've since learned that's a good thing yeah. because it's forcing me to evolve. But then it's like you brought up that thing before when you said you got comics that walk around and they go like, I killed when they just did shit. That is um, a psychotic d- yeah, illness like, yeah. that comedians <laughs> have, which I'm glad I don't have. Yeah, but then or I, I'd hope my friends would tell me, Johnny, yeah. you're dying. Yeah. But the thing is, is that... That's also the same thing when they get off and then like when they've done bad or when they do good, they go like everything and they take it a hundred. You know what I mean? They're not taking it, they're not barring any of the, like all the positivity that came with that good set, boom, I'm adopting all of it. Or fucking all the negativity, nah. Like they'll block the negativity and they'll be like, nah, this joke is good, I just got to work on it more. But you look at it like, bro, you should have dropped this fucking two months ago. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I've got, yeah, there's, there's a quote by Einstein that stuck in my head. I'm mm. sure you've heard it. Uh, the definition of insanity yeah. is to do the same thing again and again, expecting mm. different results. Mm. And that is almost like, that is such a profound statement for a comedian mm. to have. Like a comedian can really learn a lot from that because our job is to take the same set on stage and panel beat it night after night and you notice it's changing Mm. slightly Mm. it's not until you listen back to tapes 
from two, three weeks ago, you're going, oh, yeah. shit, I have shifted. Mm. It's different now. Um, that's That process of evolution is enjoyable to me because it means I'm safe. I'm, I'm not repeating the same shit. Yeah. Getting to a part, like Patrice O'Neill said that uh, when he gets on stage, the, the, the punchline is the post. Um, mm. But how he gets there is entirely up to his discretion each night, yeah. dependent on his energy, the energy state of the room, mm. the, the audience, what they're giving him. And I, and I love that. I hate the punchline. Because I feel like the punchline is the part where I lose all fucking, all the creativity kind of goes in the punchline. Like, I love getting there. Like, oh, you said that's that's the best bit. The best bit is how you get there and the different paths you that's take. That's my enjoyment. Yeah. The but, punchline is for the audience. Yeah. That's, the, that that reaffirms why this transaction is taking place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, the punchline's the, yeah. You have to have the punchline. It's the currency. Mm. Otherwise, you'd be like, get the fuck off stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then at the same time, sometimes you go, you get to your punchline, like, ah, I, I did my punchline on the way here. Then you get there and the punchline was like, ah, you got him like, laughing like eh, but then before you had him really dying mm. like just random shit we were taking the tangent over there you know what i mean but that's great yeah that is good it means you're mining all these little fucking gold fields mm. on the way to a punchline it means you're yeah. you're, you're in a, you're in a rich vein but then the best part about that is then you get to look at it and then it gets to send you mad because then you're like is this punchline really deserving of being the punchline or is this the final kick do i have to fucking move it around now yeah. or is this, you know what i mean be open and yeah. move it mm. try it mm. you, you could, don't be rigid well, that's the thing. That's why I'm like, that's part of the reason why I want these open mics back. Because it used to be dog shit open mics everywhere. It used to just be dive fucking open mics. Yeah. Some cunt running it and have like seven people rock up and they're all comics and you get to even try it out on them. Like, I got this joke at the minute. The whole thing is that I'm at the gym and then there's some fucking Indian dude and then he's like, but I don't know what's the Indian dude and all I hear in the gym is some guy going, oh, mate. I can't believe they keep letting them in the country. What the fuck is this? And then I try to wave, weave around that whatever, like, oh, this guy's saying that. Oh, I thought he didn't speak English. Blah, whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to dance around it. But, like, for the time, I don't know if the guy, I should make the guy sound like, yeah, mate, it's fucking bullshit. Or should I make him sound like, yeah, brother, it's fucking bullshit. Like, I don't know where to fucking lean him in. Do I make him just a full-on caricature? Or do I make him sound like, ah, it sounds like a Have you workshopped guy. it yet? I've been workshopping it, but at the time being, I feel like this is the... Which one has worked? I've workshopped, but I've workshopped, like, only two times each. I want to do this joke, like, fucking 15 times. Seven and seven. Well, you've got another 30,000, 40,000 gigs up your sleeve. Yeah, know, yeah. So you've got time. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, it's a pain in the ass, because I know that usually back in the day when I was able to go to these gigs that were dog shit, and I'd, everything would keep bombing, but I could at least figure out what was working. Just do them at the new gigs. Oh, at yeah. the good gigs. Nah. The Why? Because if a good gig... I can get it like, ah, they liked it there. They liked it a little more there. I don't feel like they tell, like I find out what's... But what's your fear? Oh, that you're going to get booked average. again. Yeah, but it's average. But you're going to get booked again. Oh, no, again. no, no, no. You've got enough cre street cred no, to no, get no, you booked no, again. No, no, it's not about getting so booked. It's not about getting booked. It's the fear that this joke gets average. And then I sit on this joke for, for fucking that long and it's just average. I'm like, what the fuck was I doing with all that time? I just wasted all my time. Because I only get a certain amount of gigs a week. I only get a certain amount of stage time. If I could do four times the stage time, I'd fucking take it on a heartbeat. I'd, ne I'd do every gig I fucking possibly could. It's just, I'm, I don't know, I'm impatient with it, because I know this joke is fucking good. i got to fucking get it somewhere, and which park am I going to take? Then throw it out, because it could that joke could be um, like sirens. You stare at it, and you turn it to stone. You lose track mm. of time. So you, everyone's mm. got like jokes that they can't work out, and they mm. stare at, and they workshop, but nothing ever comes of it. It mm. doesn't develop into a good bit. It only mm. ever stays B-grade. Mm. 
So just chuck yeah. it. Yeah. That's why I like the dog shit gigs. But never throw it out for good because you'll go back to it. Yeah, no, I never chuck them out for good. Curled I, it. I wrote pokies on a space station mm-hmm. about 10 years ago. Yeah. And I found it going through my post-it notes from like a, my mum mum and dad's house in mm-hmm. like a, in the attic. Not an attic. I'm not American. In the in the garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I thought it was like a Ron White thing. I remember I listened to some Ron White, Joe Rogan, I think they're talking. And they're talking about stand-up and he's saying that like, ah, oh, he goes through his old notes and sometimes it'd be like, ah, you funny son of a bitch. You wrote this 20 years ago. This is great. And yeah. Then, and like, I oh. never throw anything out. Yeah. I keep all scrap paper. Because mm. I used to work the door at Kmart. That was, that was, I worked there for like six years or something. A was, security guard? No, nah, no. Nah, I was the greeter. <laughs> the lowest job you could possibly have. How soulless yeah. is that? But you stuck did, there. Did, you, did they tax your soul every time you had to say hi to someone? Nah, because you didn't even say hi. In the end, you'd have to Just people, stand there. Yeah, you just stand there. Because oh, you're yeah. not a very... You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. Look, I know you're crossing your arms in defense yeah. mode. No, but you're not very, um, like, you got to get to know you before you open oh, yeah. up a bit. Uh, I'm very like, closed in off. In the beginning, yeah. you were closed off Carducci. I'm yeah. like, you know, yeah, 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 this yeah. kid being fingered as a child. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> got a lot of, like, a lot of closed walls <laughs> around him. Can I get through to this kid? Yeah. And then eventually, once you opened up, I'm like, oh, he's fucking, he's a charming little fellow. He's yeah, a great yeah, kid. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but um, in the beginning, it was just head down, blah, 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 keep to yourself. Uh, so, yeah, you don't strike me as the type that would go, good, uh, good morning, welcome you, to Kmart. You get that because you're fucking up in the, at the checkout. You're not charming at the checkout. They so go, they get the fuck out of here. You're at the top now. So is that is that the Russian front? Those people yeah. that greet everyone in the yeah. camera, have they, have they lost their register Pretty privilege? Pretty much. Because ah. no one wants that. No one wants to be the You're at the door. You can't listen to anything. You can't do anything. All you've got is fucking like four songs on repeat. That, that you get. That's all you can listen to. you got cunts that when you work, because I, I worked at Camberfield, so every fucking cunt is going in there. Fuck you, fuck cunt, you fucking dog. Why, why do you treat me like a criminal? But I'm not having done anything. Do you have to check their bags? Because they ask you to check the bags, so they move the fucking check out to the middle. So then you're stuck <laughs> there, and then and then every single kind of like, you treat me like a fucking criminal. You're a rat. You're a dog. <laughs> fuck you. Or then you get cunts going like, I'm stealing this bike. I'm like, I don't care, cunt. Take Just take the fucking bike, bro. Kmart's free. I don't <laughs> give a shit, bro. And then they fucking keep doing that. But then what you'd have to do is when someone, the only job you really have when you're there is fucking when someone comes in and they have a return, you have to write in that they actually grabbed it from outside. That they came in with it. So you've got to give them a... Right. You sign off a little thing. You go, okay, like uh, Fisher-Price um, square toy. And you give it to them. And then they take that to the returns. And they can return. Because Kmart, you don't need a fucking receipt. Kmart, you can... Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can just return anything, whatever. Is that one of the worst jobs you've ever done? That's the worst gig. That's yeah. flat out worst gig. Because you watch... And Camberfield... Gig... We're not talking about Camberwell or Eastern Suburbs no, Kmart. No, 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 where, no, no, Good no. afternoon. How are yeah. you? We're talking fucking the dregs of society. Camberfield. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want oh, yeah. proof Camberfield's a fucking toilet, it, <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't gone up in property value <laughs> in ten years. It is if it yeah. wouldn't even make it, the shit square on Monopoly shits all over Camberfield. <laughs> it's a fucking dump. The only good thing about Camberfield is it's meth labs. <laughs> no, it's the only thing it's got is the twenty four hour Kmart. Twenty four hour Kmart. The only thing it's got. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you go that. And then the uh, I spray painted that Kmart when I was fourteen years old. <laughs> I wrote anthrax on the bifolding doors. <laughs> now, another reason that was the worst job I had, had was because me and my sister got the job at the same time. My sister's three years younger than me. She was my boss. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck! Now that's a Wonder Years episode. <laughs> and then fucking 
Like, but the best part about that job was you do the front. I reckon the most material I'd write an hour would be at that fucking thing. I'd oh, go so you there. just sit there and write? I just remember write. Because you watch cunts. You just Are you watch. allowed to write? Like, isn't there a manager that'll come up and go, you're Oh, not, they will, yeah. You're not greeting? No, because oh, they come up to you like, you're not greeting. All right, whatever. And then they call you up because they give you a little phone. That's the only way you can check the time. So you'd Fuck. stand there. And do you fake smile when you greet people? Or like, do you just do the like, no contact here, man? Well, uh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Because right. they didn't care. They look at you like you're the enemy. You're the one blocking them on the way out. And they see you and they're like, they're yeah. waving. And then everyone, when they're walking past, will be waving their receipt. Like, fuck off. They're going like, I'm like, okay. Yeah, you didn't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. They don't, no one gives a fuck. How many times could you shoplift and just wave any receipt oh, for, that you got you from could, Chemist Warehouse for your oh, fucking tinier? You could do it for anything. You could even, if you, one, one trick would be like, you just buy like 20 fucking different items that all cost a buck and then grab the fucking $300 microwave or some shit. Kmart was always, uh, for uh, as kids growing up, yeah. we always had fun stealing shit at Kmart. Yeah. It was an easy shoplift. Oh, no, the, be- the best way that people shoplift is what they'll do is the biggest brain way to do it is they'll get like one of those fucking pot and pan kits and they'll take all the shit out and they'll put all the expensive shit in there and then they just buy the pot and pan kit. But then every yeah. now and again when you're looking through stock and you're clearing it up, you'd be like, oh, okay, they've taken all this. Oh, we don't know where the other shit is. Mm. It's full of fucking whatever Blu-rays and stuff like that in there now. You know, when I lived, uh, when I was uh, struggling, I say struggling because I need somehow to exonerate myself from people listening. But when mm-hmm. I was a struggling comic in London, mm-hmm. I would, uh, me and my ex would go to uh, Sainsbury's, which is the equivalent of Coles. Mm-hmm. And they, um, it was just remarkable. They had alcohol for sale in the aisles. Oh, so yeah. you just pick up your own alcohol yeah. and just scan it at the self-checkout. Mm-hmm. So we would carefully peel off a bottle of Spumanti, the barcode, mm-hmm. and we'd peel off a Moe Chandon and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. swap them over yeah, and then yeah, get yeah, to yeah. self-checkout and get like, yeah, pay like four bucks yeah, for yeah, like yeah, Moe yeah. Chandon. Yeah. Just shit like that. That was a crafty shoplift. Yeah. Have you ever done the one where you just get macadamia nuts and you go through self-checkout and just put it as ginger? Nah, I just do the one. I just there and you realize it's not it's fucking you're like oh i can just put anything in on the on the yeah you can put like, anything because eventually code. eventually the no eventually the weight stops checking or you're allowed one or two free goes so you go you put like a fucking piece of meat in the side and then it'll say oh are you using your own bag yes and then it won't check beyond it won't that check the way yeah. pay and boom you're out of here yeah yeah that's where you put your fucking 20 dollar item i don't know well, when you get the fucking stack of eggs and shit, then I feel like with the bigger items, then it starts to lose track of the fucking thing anyway. <laughs> and then you're there, and sometimes it's like, ah, I don't want to even steal it. I just feel like I'm getting fucked off. I'm getting ripped off if I don't steal it. You know what I mean? Yeah, getting it's too good to not. I'm working for them. Yeah. I feel like I, at one point, if I'm able to fucking, you know, switch the system for me, boom. Yeah, you should get it. You should get paid for doing self checkout because you're, you're virtually on. You're a, you're a checkout chick every time you do self checkout. Because even I started, even like in my own short fucking time of in my day, fucking like what ten years ago, or like not even ten years ago, like eight years ago, you work at Kmart and then you're doing the checkout. You're there with like fucking at least six other people on the checkouts at fucking eight o'clock to twelve o'clock, which is like prime time for fucking Camberfield. Yep. Camberfield ten o'clock is a party. People rock up there with their families, just standing around looking for something to do. But fucking. Then they, um, but then, like, what, like, even up to two years ago, then it just boils down to fucking one person on eight self-checkout machines, who that one person, they're getting fucked. Mm. Their whole, they're just going like, duh, they're constantly running, they're just constantly doing the beep test. 
bang, 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 bang. Whilst people are going like, I fucking hate you because this is bullshit. And <laughs> taking it out on them like, sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. Yeah, they let it get to them. Yeah. And the worst thing about working came Kmart is that cunts fucking always try and do the dodgy on you with the fucking, um, oh, this is the price I've got for this. And like, that's not the price. Like a cunt will come in and be like, no, the Hungry Hockey Hippos game is only $5. It's not. It's 35 this is you're talking about the discounted one where they got the fucking cheap budget Asian one that you can tell that they got made in a factory for ten bucks. I mean for one buck. Yeah. And then they're like, no, no, no. It's the this is the real game. Like it's not, sir. And then they'll go off and they'll be like, no. And they'll move the fucking that. Well, sometimes they'll move like if there's five boxes under a thirty-five tag and there's five boxes under a ten-dollar tag, they'll move them both. Mm. And then they'll be like, see, it's only that price. Or another one they'll do is cancel fucking bang over. They'll just push their mate into a fucking. Um, one of those big, uh, I don't know what to say, like a big, uh, a big rack, whatever, yeah. with all the shelves and shit on it. They'll push their mate into that so the thing tips over. Then they'll claim, then they'll claim it as spoilage. I can't pay fucking full price for this. The box is broken. Come on. Yeah. 20 bucks. Nah, it's says 60. Come on, get your manager out. Then the manager will come out. 50 bucks. All right. Oh, really? So yeah. they, they do. Oh, you win. always win. Oh, as if there's a mark on the box, you can always get 20 bucks off or something. I don't know. Uh, I, I just couldn't be fucked working in that environment. I got out really quickly. It was one of the worst jobs I ever had. It was the worst. I hated it. But the thing was, I did it because I, was, I was casual. Just like, oh, I, want, I need more work this week. Oh, I, need yeah. to, I need to make a grand. Then if I make a grand in a week, then I don't know. I just always approach it the same way. If I make that enough money for the month in the week or whatever. You can switch off. Then right? I can switch off. I do stand up for the rest do of the month. Do you stand up? Yeah. So when were you doing Kmart in Camberfield? From... Like nineteen to like uh twenty four, twenty five. I oh, see so you. You did a recent, a, a decent tour of duty. Yeah, I did decent tour, but then at the end, I was working there as well because then we'd be working, we'd be running our business on Sydney Road, but we weren't making enough money to actually make money out of it. So I still had to work there as well. So I was getting fucked on two ends whilst I was still doing more stand up than I ever had because I was in Brunswick and not Reservoir. So I'd be like, ah, I'm only twenty minutes from every gig. I gotta do it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but that was the that was probably the best thing for me. Because mm. then I was just grinding it out, but then I just wasn't eating. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've had so many shit jobs that it's made. Do you reckon a shit job makes you work harder at your stand up? Yeah, that's I reckon, what it does for me. I reckon it, the cunts that are happy with their fucking that, like, where you can tell that the rest of their life fulfills them and they're happy. It's like fuck, you can see the stand up just drop off. Yeah, it's but, fascinating, isn't it? But like, when someone's good, I feel like you got to get good, and then the rest of it can be good. I wonder sometimes if we were all placed in this hypothetical universe where we didn't get fed unless we crushed, <laughs> how quick we'd be churning out our solid Netflix specials just to get a fucking kebab at the end of it. No, I think everyone would be hack as fuck. Yeah, it's selling That's, out. It'd be, everyone would be selling out going like, I'll just do these shitty gigs, rock yeah. up. Oh, they all they want to hear is fucking whatever, drug material. Oh, say meth, they'll laugh. Boom. Well, it's interesting because you open up Pandora's box now. What is hack because my friends and my family who absolutely love comedy and come to a show and mm. don't have any inclination about what's hack what's not they're just they're just punters mm. they want to have a good laugh yeah and they love a good meth joke yeah. they love a good reference yeah because they feel like i'm smart i got that it's adelaide good. is a toilet yeah. Because of this and that. I get that joke because, yeah, Craigieburn is full mm. of meth labs. I'm, mm. I'm smart. I've got street cred. You know what I mean? So you're, 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 you're basically giving the crowd some self-worth because they're like, yeah, I'm on the page. I know this. And then you've got your liberals who pretty much, 
you know, write reviews and mm. are looking for something different. And that's where most comics operate yeah. with the liberals. It's like, oh, we're after something different. We want to create something better. Yeah. But sometimes I think, man, you've got to come down sometimes and look at uh, stand-up through an audience's eyes. Mm. Maybe there isn't such a thing as hack for them. Maybe it's just good comedy and they're having a laugh and they're going home. Nah, I reckon that nah, there's hack. There's always a line of hack. I think hack is just dated. I think that's all. That's all hack is. It's just like this has been done. It's done. It's done to death. You can't. You can't really. Someone sees it, they go ah. Because I reckon even though people will laugh, but they're like, like for example, like if I take my old man, if my old man goes to a show or something, I don't take him. But if he goes and he goes, this guy was really funny and he's going on about yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, your dad's a wog. He wouldn't come and see your comedy. No, 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 no. Wog no, dads no, no. and wog parents don't give a fuck about their sons or nah, daughter's nah, nah, journey nah, nah, in stand up. Because nah, nah. I heard one guy. I had one guy say that. What do you call it? He um. His dad finally said something and his was good, so he knew that meant it was shit. Yeah. But then I was thinking, like, nah, he's always, I always feel like he's on the, I, I, I've ran jokes past him, and then the ones where he goes, he's never been wrong. Every time he's going, that one's all right. Mm. And then, like, okay, and then you tell him that one, and I was like, okay, that one's all right. Like, even, he, he also has given me a few that have gone, oh, fuck it, that's good enough, I'll actually use yeah, right. it. Yeah, right, so there's a good filter. Yeah, because then he came up to me once, he goes, why do they call it indecent assault? What's decent assault? And he just walks out of the room. That's good. And I'm like, that's all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Decent but, assault. But, he made me come. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it, but he made me come. Nah, he was make. He was being based. Ever. I was chasing the whole link with like, what? So if a guy doesn't pull out his dick, he go. He was a nice guy. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> he bashed me over the head, but at least I didn't see his cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but fucking like, yeah. I don't know. I think there's a line. I think everyone kind of feels like there's a line of hack. And I feel like that's just old hat, really. I think that's another word for it. Yeah, it's when everyone, when every comic jumps on a premise. Yeah. Like when 72 Virgins was yeah. first uttered, it no, was very funny, and now it's hack. Now I think that's hack for us. I don't mm. think it's hack for them yet. No. You see, um, aeroplane material, like I'm a bit cautious of my aeroplane material because I think aeroplane material is just in every toolbox of a comedian. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? I still do my aeroplane material, but I'm trying to constantly evolve it into making it harder and harder for the punchline to come yeah. to the audience's knowledge. Like, well, oh, I didn't see that well, coming. Well, really, it's like there's no... I, th I think it's I think it's Seinfeld or something. I think he says there's a there's a hack punchline, but there's no hack, prem or hack premise or something. One of the two. One of the two. But essentially, like, if you look at it, like, if you won't want your joke to be hack, I always think that then you just have to make the leap greater. Yeah. As long as the leap, like you've got two cliffs, you've got premise and you've got punchline. As long as you make the leap greater to punchline, mm. then that's the more they're thinking it through. That's the more like you've actually done a bit of a magic trick there where it's going to go, oh, oh. Yeah. That's how you eliminate hack. But then at the same time, we're Things looking like at... lateral thinking, yeah. uh, different concepts rather than straight setup and punch, trying to twist things, turn it on its head. Yeah. That's what I do to try and like what you're describing, that chasm. Mm. Just use a different setup mm. something different but essentially it's the same punchline it's yeah. it's it's an airplane joke it's yeah. about what's the deal with peanuts on an airplane it's all that shit but you deliver it different you mask the premise somehow but then no thing is it's like it's not even just airplane jokes that are hack it's all travel jokes because mm. everyone's got their travel jokes because like, I'm, I'm on the road here i'm like i'm driving my car and it's like the only reason you know you got that many jokes about fucking or that that much time driving a car is because you're fucking always traveling to go fucking ding, 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 ding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like... Yeah, I think the point is, it's like, yeah, there's hack stuff, but also it's like, I try and... Sometimes when I'm too harsh on myself, mm. I just adjust 
my perception and I pretend I'm an audience member. And, you know, sometimes when you... Have you ever been to a comedy club and switched off as a performer and, and said to yourself, I'm going to try and see this gig through the audience's eyes. It's quite wonderful, man. It's yeah. fucking magical. I feel like a go when I know I've got no chance of getting up. Yeah. So when I'm in that mode, I'm like, okay, I'm going to switch off. I don't need to know anything I'm doing. But at the same time, I can't ever turn off from the fact of like, ah, that was crap. Uh, you'll always be dissected. Yeah. Because you're a surgeon now. Yeah. So you're watching someone else perform surgery. You always get, ah, that's, you call that an incision? That's fucked. Yeah. It's like, that's hack. I yeah. saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they saw that coming. That's the one that always surprises me. Uh, I that's think... my biggest fear. No, but that's the thing that surprises me the most. When you see someone and then like you see their joke and it's like, that did well. I knew that was coming a minute ago. I haven't even seen this joke. You can tell yeah. where it was going. You're more trained. But also, like I said to you, sometimes the audience know it's coming and are glad that they saw it coming because they feel like they're intelligent. That's true. So that you're is boosting true. up yeah, their self-worth. Really, yeah, that is true. And that that's where true. I mean, by their perspective, sometimes they're like, oh, this is great. I know things and I knew that was going to happen and oh, I feel good. Oh, they want to also be the one going like, now nah, you don't get that. See, what happened was it's like, oh, right. Exactly. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's true. Mm. That's true. But at the same time, like, we're also looking at it from comedy where it's like, we're fucking, it's like when you got a guy who watches the most fucked porn because he's been watching it nonstop on repeat for fucking 10 years. Mm. And now he's watching some depraved shit. Like, what the fuck is this? It's the only way I can come. That's the fucking same thing with comedy. You're looking at it every day. Every day you're in a fucking, in a room where someone's giving out, they're trying their best. And you see some people doing actually well, but then eventually them doing well is like, that ain't doing shit for me. You know mm. what I mean? And it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. Absolutely. Yeah. That desensitizer. Yeah. You can, for sure. Like, I can see someone do an hour. I can objectively leave going like, that was good. I laughed twice. That was good, but it was good. Mm. You know what I mean? So you got something out of it, but it wasn't really laughs out loud. It wasn't laughs out loud for me. I know it was laughs out loud for the average person. Yeah. That's yeah. just not your thing. No, not even not my thing. But you can appreciate it. Not even not my thing. I feel like I've drained it out of it. I feel like even then I'm getting to that point where it's like, ah, there's so much comedy. Oh, yeah, that thing, that was good. That was good. Yeah, that was good. But I'll laugh like five times. And then when I laugh, it'll really hit me. It'll get me good. But at the same time, like, oh, yeah. I find it more funny like yesterday. Or like, I find the things around stand up more funny. Like, what do you call it? Billy Styles yesterday. He's waiting to get on. And he's like, well, fuck am I here? I got here at nine o'clock. This is fucked. He's getting on at one. One a.m. Yeah, yeah we, we, <laughs> we were on stage at one a.m. It was so fucking New York vibe. It was crazy. New York vibe, but also just poorly run. It's like, how the fuck did we get the fucking one a.m.? Yeah. Well, like eight acts. <laughs> I mean, Rosario did well to try and keep people to time. Yeah. Like, yeah, he yeah. made himself ever-present side of stage yeah. and he, he got up and he sort of wiggled towards the stage and the comics did buzz but some of them were like one more thing before i go one more thing before i go oh, one they, more thing oh, before i so go good. sticky feet fuckers <laughs> get off the fucking stage <laughs> i hate people that just don't stick to time man because a lot of people don't understand you've got other things to do yeah you got places to be, especially, I learned that lesson in London. In London, you just can't go over time. If you mm-hmm. go over time, you get punished. You can even get banned for certain mm-hmm. months uh, in London if you go over time. Because if you, if you go, let's say you're crushing and you go over time, the comic after you, he is uh, now blown his times out, which means he's going to miss his train to the next gig. Yeah which means he can't perform at the other gig. And then there's a flow-on effect. Yeah. So you screw up order. That's why in London, um, you get a light at 18 mm-hmm. and you're off at 20. 
and then the next act is that's, mm. but here it's like I, that's the only alien concept coming back from London after 10 years mm-hmm. it's very strange to be in a stand up club where people don't respect time it's so strange because every cunt feels like oh I did 8 I actually did nine because they wanted me to be on more. Like yeah. whenever someone's killing, they go, oh, "I'm just gonna ride it out," because then no one really hear, like. I don't know, in like the like fucking, if there's the C, B and A rooms between the C and B rooms, as long as you're killing, no one really gives a fuck if you stay on. Yeah, and then everyone I, wears this badge of honor. I always up. look. Yeah, I always look like if I'm doing well, I'll, I'll yeah, like at Brunny, like like I'll look at Glenn, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll go, um, how long have I got? And I'll, if I'm last on, he'll go, just, yeah, go keep on. Keep going, I'll keep be, going. I'll, I'll go on. Yeah. But do that when you're killing. When you're killing and you're just there and then it's like, okay, cool, okay, I'll keep going. And then sometimes when you're doing, like for me, when I'm doing bad, if I'm like, my first three minutes has sucked, I'll look to him for just a moment, just as a glance. And then I'll see that and I'll be like, I've, I've probably done like seven, got to get the fuck out of here. And then you look at me and I'm like, oh, yeah. fucking, come on, cunt, give me a smile. I did a gig, um... Maybe I shouldn't say where, but it was the first time in my 18-year career where the MC was sacked halfway through a gig. Oh. Did you hear about it? Would this be... Um, he uh, was fucking blind, and he kept going on and on, oh. and the, <laughs> the, the crowd were just fucking sick of him, and I made a comment to the owner, and I said, you got to get this guy off. His, he Comics were on stage, and he was coming on stage while the acts were on yeah and walking like a dog around them i think i think i had walking off i think i had a similar experience at this same venue might be um one side of the yarra that british british spoken dumb fuck with like long hair and glasses oh no 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 can't remember his name but he's such a shitman (laughs) worst (laughs) fucking mc i've ever seen in my life i saw one guy sub himself out of, as being an MC, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Me and Dan are at a gig, and then the cunt goes up and he's like, "How's everyone going? Yeah, great." And he's MC and he's trying to MC for the first two minutes. He goes, "Ah, fuck this!" And he just points at Dan. He goes, "You're the MC now." <laughs> and he walks off. So Dan gets up, and there's a crowd though. There's like ten people, and then Dan does a good job, gets them all built up, brings on the first act, and then the guy goes, "Okay, bring back the MC." And then what it could, and then Dan's walking back to the stage. And then as Dan's walking back up, the guy who was originally MC pushes Dan back down. Nah, I can take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan was the fluffer. Get Dan, him going. Dan, get him up to here. Then, then he goes up. But that's what was. He canned it again. So he just nice. went, ah, fuck it. You go back. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. This guy was like so bad. He, yeah, they, they gave him the sack and they fucked him off. They told him to leave. I've never seen anything like it. All the acts were all looking at each other going, this is horrendous. And then when I went on last, I I mentioned it and the crowd were like, yeah. I said, come back. Please come back because it's good comedy. There were good acts on. Mm-hmm. But just this MC, I don't know where they got him from. Yep. But uh, the guy, because Dave O'Neill's doing it next. And I went, man, trust me, do not have Dave O'Neill waiting here with this guy I'm seeing he won't be mm. happy man mm. not that Dave Aniel's a diva but you're getting a really good headliner just don't fuck around put a decent MC on man it's not hard to MC it's not hard man yeah. just pay someone a hundred bucks to MC he'll do a good job not even need like what the M- MC is the most MC is so overrated here isn't it like, what is, it's like the only gig you can get paid really 
And then most of the time it's like, what are you doing? You're just a, you're just a host. You don't really need to kill. You're, you're a host, but you need a... I, I believe in a good MC because you're the backbone of the show. A really, you know, Brad Oaks told me a story. Yeah. A really good MC is when, A, they don't expect you to be funny and you surprise them and they come up to you afterwards and they're like, you're actually funny. Right, that's mm-hmm. a compliment because as a master of ceremonies, you're there to facilitate the evening to run smoothly. Yeah. So it's a backhanded compliment when they don't even see you as fu- sorry, not a backhanded compliment. It's a compliment when they don't even expect you to be funny, but are funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he also said that once he he emceed a gig and they came up to him in the break and said, "I oh, just said there's no toilet paper," and he wasn't there's he wasn't offended. Because he took it as a good sign because as the MC, he's in charge of the whole night. So he felt it was really cool that people went up to him outside of the show and said, mm-hmm. hey, there's no toilet paper. Well, you're, the, you're running this show. We have faith in you. You're doing such a great job. We just want to let you know there's no toilet paper. And he passed it on to the publican. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a great, you know. Yeah. And in England, the MCs were, believe it or not, paid on an equal footing with the, the headliner because mm. they're crucial to the upkeep of the show. They have to start the show. They've got to get them cooking. And then you have your opening act. Then you mm. have your middle act. And then you have your headliner. And it's all up to the MC to just fucking launch, get mm. them up and ready, and then go. Not fair. Mm. I just think it's like, see a good MC, it's like, it's hard. It's really hard to be a good MC. But it's also like, not yeah, that hard to be shit. You're dead right. I know, ex- I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. I feel like the best cunts, are the best MCs to me are the ones that do a little bit of material on the top. Yeah. They start it up, but really all the, the backbone of all they're doing is it's a mixture of crowd work and just the fact that their energy is crazy. Like I was saying this to someone else the other day, I'm going like, the best MCs are always the people with the worst comics because mm. they're the ones with so much vibrancy and so much character and everything that's just bouncing out of them mm. that like when they do a normal set, it just comes across as like, what the fuck is going on? But mm. then when they can, contr- then when they do that as an MC, you're in their world being the fucking axe within like, like, you know, this the host, it's the guy. It's like, oh, it's that guy right. again. Hey, he's back. Hey. Mm. You know. That's yeah. right. Hey, um, I just looked at the clock. I've got to run. Um, have you got any shows you want to plug or where people can come and see you on a regular basis? Dirty Secrets? Dirt, oh yeah, Dirty Secrets. You're always, a regular at Dirty. Yeah, I'm always on a Dirty Wednesday, 8.30 and Thursday, uh, 8.30. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you very Alessio much. Alessio Carducci. Cheers, bro. See ya.